This is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education. I have an exciting new episode to bring you with a, I think, like your third time on here. So third time okay. guest, uh, Dr. Martin Block from the University of Virginia. And we're very excited to have him on. And we're going to talk, I think you've been on to talk a little bit about autism before. And I believe you talked a little bit about the large OSEP training grant uh, a while ago that's training doctoral programs. And a little bit on that same vein, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the master's program at your university that you and Dr. Kelly, uh, Luke Kelly, who's recently retired, uh, created a number of years ago. And, uh, you know, I want to bring it up because a lot of people I find, at least that kind of, especially in the PhD doctoral level, um, but even like practitioners go through these uh, really intensive master programs that are often funded through the Office of Special Education programs. And uh, a little while ago, and, and I'm going to ask you to briefly introduce yourself too. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm excited. Uh, I, I found out that I knew that you had a master's program at, at University of Virginia. However, I found out that you are funded in a much different way that I found just to be really unique, uh, where you have partnership between the public schools and your university and program to uh, train future adapted physical educators, which I think is really uh, unique and really cool. And would love to get that information out to our listeners in case anybody from a school or university can potentially uh, replicate that. Um, so before I get into all of that, tell me, briefly, because, you know, let's go back and listen to the autism one if you want to learn more about Dr. Block. But briefly, tell me a little bit about who uh, Dr. Block is and your background in AP. Great, great. Scott, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and share about our master's program. So very briefly, uh, Martin Block, I am currently the director of the program of kinesiology for individuals with disabilities. It's a fancy term for adapted physical education. But we get a lot of pre-physical therapists, pre-occupational therapists, pre-medical students in our programs. So rather than just call it adapted PE, we, we thought disabilities would be better. My personal background, I have an undergrad degree in physical education with a minor in special ed. Um, during my undergrad, I really uh, got involved in some special schools where I did my undergrad in Greensboro, North Carolina, and, and loved it. Decided I needed more experience, went to the Ohio State University to get my master's program uh, under a guy named Walter Ersing at the time, who had an OSEP grant. Had a great experience there and moved to Virginia and taught for five years at a school in Northern Virginia, and then went to the University of Maryland for uh, my PhD in motor development with minors in adaptive P and special ed. Um, and then taught at Northern Illinois University for two years, and then uh, been at the University of Virginia since 1992. Uh, so yeah, that's my my quick background. <laughs> I've heard a lot about that. There's kind of a lot of people that have gone through that uh, through nor Northern Illinois that are big APE people. I know Terry Rizzo yeah. was there, and I know Jim that, Rimmer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Garth, yeah. Garth Thomason. Yeah, it's, it's a great great proving ground. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, and you said that you went through an OSEP training grant too, and I know that you also have an OSEP training grant for your doctoral program, so you're definitely aware of them and you've been around them. And again, for our listeners, these these training programs 
often are a year to two years. They've been around for 40 years, and there's a few universities that have consistently had them, like uh, uh, UWL Lacrosse, Texas Women's University, Ohio State's had them for a long time, Oregon State, and then there's a few others out there, too, that kind of periodically get them. And again, uh, and these grants often prepare the future uh, adaptive physical educators in the field. And that my understanding was basically those were the only game in town, <laughs> pretty much. And then I and then I, I knew about your program for a long time, and I just didn't understand uh, that it was funded through the public schools, which I thought was really cool. So with that, can you talk a little bit about your APE master's program and its relation to the schools and um, before we maybe even get into the day-to-day operations of what it looks like, and may- maybe you could also compare it a little bit to how it differs from maybe the OSEP grant ones. Sure. So, so interestingly, uh, this is Luke Kelly, who, who uh, my predecessor, or colleague for many years, very clever. He actually had OSEP grants, and we had an OSEP grant here. I got here in 92, and he had just gotten an OSEP grant that was really uniquely written. So he said uh, he had got the public schools to agree that for four years, uh, we would be funded by the federal government and provide adaptive PE services to the local schools. And, and at the time, it was just pre, pre-K through elementary. And then four years after that, the, the school, uh, school, uh, school system said they would then continue the funding for four more years to match it. And then it would go away or we can continue it. And of course, by that point, there had been IEPs and we've been entrenched in the schools. And they said, oh, yeah, we, of course, we want to continue doing it. So, so that was kind of the the, the, uh, the way it started there very cleverly with, with uh, Luke Kelly having an OSEP and then transitioning to the school district. So, so yeah, so the, the school district, basically, they have one person who does adapted PE and uh, we have Charlottesville City and then we have some we're in the county. And Albemarle County, the schools right around Charlottesville City, we call those the urban ring schools. The adapted PE person who's full-time does that. We do all the other schools. So we have 12 elementary schools, three middle schools, two high schools where my students provide adapted PE. Um, and every year the, the school district gives us more and more money. You know, we, we last couple of years have been kind of upset, but yeah, each year they, they, we ask, you know, you still want to do this? Like, yeah, we, we continue to want to do this. And so. So anyway, how is this different than a typical uh, OSEP grant? So my experience, uh, when I was at Ohio State, we had a Saturday swim and gym program. I volunteered for that like all of our students did, and that was a great experience. And then there were some places to go to schools. I went to a school for the deaf and blind in Columbus. I went to a, a school for kids with cerebral palsy at the time. I was in an inclusive setting, but I was never the adapted PE person. I was always helping somebody. Uh, and it was more like, uh, go to the site for six weeks or 10 weeks, you know, do this uh, Saturday morning swim and gym for a couple of semesters. But I, I never was really in charge, except for a handful of students here and there. What's unique about our program is that um, our students are placed in three or four Albemarle County schools. We also have a private school called the Virginia Institute for Autism. They're placed there as well. And they are the adapted PE person for their caseload. So they have to assess the children. They have to write lesson plans and implement lesson plans. They do quarterly progress reports. When it's time for IEPs, they're the ones who write the IEPs. They go to IEP meetings. They interact collaboratively with special ed teachers, with parents, with therapists. So they really get a sense of what it's like to be an adapted PE teacher, an itinerant adapted PE teacher. And many, for many years, uh, my students would go on to become hired by school districts to be an adapted PE teacher. 
So it just, it was, and on the feedback I would get from my students is, you know what we did down in Virginia, that prepared me so well for what I'm doing in my job, you know, IEPs, traveling from schools, making connections, et cetera. And so, so I felt really good about that. It's interesting also that, it, and it, even today, some of my students uh, find that they, as much as they like working with children with disabilities, they don't like traveling to all the different schools. They don't feel like they have a home. So a lot of them end up becoming general PE teachers. But we, we make the point that you're much more marketable for a job because you have all this experience with kids with disabilities. And when you get a, when you get a job, you, know, you should be the one saying, hey, I'd like to work with that, that special class. I, I'm, I know how to include these kids and still be involved in the IEP process, et cetera. So some of my students go on to general PE positions. Some love adapted and, and stay in adapted. And as I mentioned before, we have a significant number, about half our students now are pre-physical therapy or pre-occupational therapy. And they kind of use us to beef up their resume. It's really difficult to get into these therapy schools. So they use up us to beef up their resume. But in addition, they get a lot of hands-on experience. And, and I think that the, these schools like that. In fact, one of my former students just emailed me the other day. She was at the University of Colorado getting her or a doctorate of physical therapy. And she said she's doing uh, uh, at a children's hospital where she's working now and she loves it. And she said, you know, when I went to UVA, I really didn't know that much about working with children. And you really lit that uh, uh, flame for me. I really loved it. And now in PT school, I'm continuing to do this and working with children. That's my goal. I'm going to be a pediatric PT. Um, the other thing she said was, and we're fortunate here, we just just because where we are at a university town, we have a lot of kids with autism. We have a really good special school. We have a hospital that serves kids with autism. So my students leave here being experts in autism. And the same student emailed me when she was six months into her PT program saying, you know, people are coming to me. Professors are coming to me asking me about autism because they know my experience. So anyway, that's just another great, uh, I think, attribute about our program. It's just we, we have so many hands-on experiences that, uh, and, and this year-long internship, I think, is unique compared to the traditional Saturday morning swim and gym, where we bring in a wheelchair basketball team on Fridays, things like that. Yeah, and one thing to also note is, like, when I said OSEP grants, in a way, every one of them is unique as well, you know, so yeah. it's, all, like, you know, every one of them, and some of them are two years, and there's all types of different kind of ways that you're doing it. However, you have a really unique program in that, uh, probably how quickly they're doing it, their relationships with the student, the schools and the parents, because they're basically acting as teachers, uh, which is awesome. And also, I, I mean, we briefly before this conversation talked about, and I believe you have, it's a, was it a um, kinesiology for individuals with disabilities major? Yep. That is, and I, uh, that's where you have these pre-PT and pre-OT students going in. And uh, it sounds from what I heard, when our previous conversation, a really high rate of them getting into those PT and OT schools that, and, you know, I write the same letters of recommendation and I find out, I mean, it, I think I have a 20, 30% hit rate of my students that I've worked with getting into those schools after their undergraduate, you know, and some very high quality ones. So that's very unique. Um, and, 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 it, and that's a new thing as well, right? It, it is. We've been, you know, I say new, I think it's going on now probably close to 10 years where okay. we've been getting, yeah. Now again, we used to get uh, seven or eight PE people in one 
pre-OT person, but over the years, it's now more 50-50. But we're seeing two different types of, of students. So we get one group who applied to PT or OT schools in undergrad, didn't get accepted, comes and does our program, and then all of a sudden gets accepted. And, and we're getting a hit rate of closer to 75%, believe it or not, for that group. We also get a group, and 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 not to toot our own, our, our own horn here, but you know, the University of Virginia is a really strong school, and we have really outstanding students. So we have another group who did their undergraduate with us in kinesiology, and now they want to do their master's. They haven't applied to PTROT school. They have three, six, three, seven, three, eight GPA. So they're excellent students. But now by doing our program, all of a sudden opens up doors to the elite program. So we had one student who went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, one student went to University of Pittsburgh. Um, You know, so, so all of a sudden, you know, yeah, you were a strong candidate before, but now this opens up the door to even even more schools. So, so yeah, so we're we're real real thrilled with with the with that type of feedback we get. Again, I think it's a combination of the hands on experience, seeing that I got a master's degree. You know, every everybody is a PT tech or an OT tech for a year, and how do I separate those people from from my application? Well. I got my master's degree. I focused on disabilities. I have 400 hours working with kids with disabilities. So that, that makes you special. So we, we, we think that really helps. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I was having a conversation with a colleague today um, and we're in the kinesiology department and he's an athletic trainer. Uh, and I think you're in the same kind of kinesiology broad department, right? Interdisciplinary. Yes. You have exercise science mm-hmm. and all these things. And, um, you know, in, 30 years ago, everyone was a physical education person and now it's kinesiology. We have these kind of different silos. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, how the problem in these last few, whatever, 20 years is how siloed we get and that students don't often um, identify with the kinesiology major. They don't, um, they don't, especially at the undergrad level, they don't get to overlap and intersect and provide because students learn from each other as well. And one of the benefits I also see, and I, I got this a lot in my doctoral program, um, where I was with ex-phys students and I was with sports management students, is you learn from each other and those very, you know, those majors that have some similarities and crossover. So to me, that you have this pre-OT, pre-PT students coming into your program uh, benefits everybody involved because your students then that are in a PE background um, are obviously learning about the AP aspect, but there are learning aspects of OT and PT, maybe not from you, but from their colleagues and peers, which I think is uh, a really valuable thing that I wish in just the kinesiology world, we would kind of prioritize a little bit more of, you know, uh, using that interdisciplinary area that we come from is more of a strength rather than just siloing kind of where we, where we want to go. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and and I found uh, exactly what you what you're saying. You know, we have people who, with their teacher background, are great with lesson planning and that level of organization, um, but the OTPT people, those pre people, they come in with just a different lens, and they uh, are very creative sometimes in their lesson planning and and provide some unique ideas, and so. Yeah, I like that they interact with each other and share and, and, and chat with each other. And it's interesting, we, we are actually talking about blending our exercise physiology and our disabilities master's programs and, and do a little bit more interdisciplinary. Right now, we're very separate, like you said, siloed. Yeah. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to figure that out. That, that's a challenge, though. And, 
I would, and not to get really off topic, which I love to do, but uh, this <laughs> colleague of mine, we were talking about this and he's a like retiring this year kind of thing and been around for 40 years. And um, we were talking about like, you know, everyone had a physical education degree in whatever, probably 95 and before that. Right. And then we went kinesiology and, and such, and you like had a concentration in physical education of exercise science or something. And it almost feels like we've hit the pendulum swing of siloing and we're almost about to become more interdisciplinary again. There almost seems to be this want to be a little bit more in, interdisciplinary. And yeah. uh, well, you know, you know, you know, one thing I would love to see is all of our master's students take a course on introduction to disabilities. Can you tell would that make sense? You know, are you going to see kids with disabilities in your clinics? Absolutely. It, we, in TWU yeah. had TWU had two classes everyone had to take uh, that were uh, about disability and physical activity specific, and there was like a third yeah. elective. So, and there was so much information to give. I mean, and yes, I mean. Uh, all of those majors that are in that kinesiology world, they definitely see disability and, uh, you know, and just even making them aware that they're going to see disability yeah. is, a, is a first step sometimes. And that same thing with physical educators. I don't know if they always know that they have to mm -hmm. work with kids with disabilities, too. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm sorry, I was going to say, and similarly, yeah. I would like my students uh, to take some. It'd be nice if there was a, a watered down exercise physiology graduate class that would give them that information as well about exercise and, and some of the you know latest scientific things to help them with their kids too. So I mean, there, there could be a really nice marriage to do something like that. So sorry. Hunt, no, hundred percent. I'm, yeah. I, I, it's one of the, the drums I beat pretty hard uh, more at my university rather than on the podcast is that uh, the interdisciplinary nature of kinesiology is great and we should be, we should be utilizing it more versus having our, you know, we have wonderful majors and wonderful things that we're doing, but we have so much cross pollination that we don't utilize. And how I understand what what this this area looked like 30 years ago, there was a lot more cross pollination, and that would be nice to see. But yeah. Um, anyhow, <laughs> so can you talk a little bit? You 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 mentioned this, but uh, can you talk a little bit about more in depth about how this? the funding for this program was developed and how you've maintained it over the years, because that's also something that's really surprising. You know, it, it's really great how long you've kept this going. Uh, how have you yeah. maintained these relationships and, and why does the school see that value? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, uh, fortunately, I've been here for, you know, since 1992. So I've made relationships with the schools um, up until a two, two years ago, uh, I would go out to the schools in the fall to supervise my students four days a week. So I'd, I'd be at the schools, the principals would see me, the PE teachers, the special ed teachers, they got to know me. The last couple of years, I've been having my doctoral students do a little bit more supervision. But, but I think that that really helped that piece, the director special ed you know, knows me and things like that. And, and, and fortunately, our students have done a terrific job. You know, I think that there's this perceived value of seeing that this person is really enthusiastic and excited. You know, the downside is that our students are here for a year, then they leave. And so we have to start all over again with a new student. But the new students all come in enthusiastic and what they don't know, they learn really quickly. But, but uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think they see the special ed teachers and the PE teachers see the value in that our students are really uh, um, motivated and then also willing to share. So, you know, I, I worked with your son or daughter today to a parent or, hey, I, I worked with your you know, little boy for your, to the special ed teacher. 
and uh, and just say, hey, hey, these these were some of the things that went on today, but I used some picture schedules. I did this, and it really was effective. So I think those types of interactions, I think, are, are really um, positive. The other kind of an interesting thing, <laughs> excuse me, is uh, my students get here and they don't, and uh, one of my master students, Jordan, is going to pop on in a second to talk to a little more about this. <laughs> During the first, I tell my students, you know, you're going to start in the middle of August and I don't expect you until um, probably October to feel really comfortable. I want you to spend these first month and a half getting used to the kids, getting used to the environment, things like that. And, and you know, so before that, I'm, you know, if, if a child needs to be assessed, if a child needs to be observed, I'll go out and do that. And so again, I, I'm, that's an added value, I think, that the school districts get, that, that I'm willing to go out there if there's a particular problem, if there's gonna be an IEP meeting where there may be some issues, hey, I'll go there, let me know when it is. So I give them that service as well, basically for free. They pay me a little bit, but that, that's part of the package, um, you know, we, we get as well. So, um, but yeah, I think that that's the other added value piece. But um, um, yeah, and it's an interesting thinking about the challenges with the program and Jordan, uh, uh, my master's student can address this as well. So, and I tell the students, I, I wish it could be different, but it's not, we are putting you in a situation where you are not going to be comfortable for the first you know, six weeks. You don't know the kids, you don't know the schools, you don't know much about disability, you don't know much about adaptive and we're throwing you in there. Now we're there to support you and we meet once a week in a seminar to chat about what are some issues. And I often go to the schools and meet with the students one-on-one -on -one, or my doctoral students do. But that's, that's the, the first six weeks is going to be a challenge. But man, when I see and hear the students talking about what they're doing in November, it's like, wow, you are really doing a great job. You have come so far. And uh, we just met for our last seminar last Monday. And, you know, I said, what, what did you feel like you learned? And the students like, oh, I learned this. I learned that. I did this. I just, and, and the big thing is I feel more comfortable with my child with a disability, how to handle situations. I've become more flexible. Those are some of the big words, comfort, flexibility, working with a team, problem solving. I think those are, so that's a wonderful thing that, that I get to see happen every year. So. And Jordan Eagle, nice to meet you. Um, and have you on the podcast. And you know what, this is a perfect time, I think, for you to kind of jump in uh, and talk a little bit about your experiences with the grant and the, the program that you're in, is, which is very unique. And my first question to you and Dr. Block, you can jump in too, but maybe Jordan can take it first, is how does the relationship with uh, your grant, the university and the school help your development as a young AP scholar? Hi, Scott. It's nice to meet you. Um, so the grant is phenomenal because it allows me to obviously be a master's student at the University of Virginia for a lot less than what um, it would be without the grant. Um, and coming in right um, from undergrad, it is wonderful to pay as little as, as I can be. Um, and it also just makes it feel a little more valuable. Uh -oh. Losing Jordan. Yes, yeah. we are. That's okay. Think That's we, okay. Well, Marty, I'll throw the question at you is like, you know, how, so how do you feel like the grant and your experience and, and Jordan, do you want to jump back in about how the, how the grant is, how your time in the school is kind of getting thrown into the water, the pool, learning how to swim 
and then doing it, having such kind of like, to me, you have a lot of value right away at the school. You know, you are being thrown in and expected to do a lot, but um, you also have a lot of value and, and priorities and responsibilities uh, right away. And you're part of students' IEPs right away. How does that kind of process help your development, do you think, as a future APE teacher scholar? Um, it definitely makes you listen to everybody that you are working with. So right off the bat, I was able to meet um, Rachel Dunley, who is the PT um, for my Western Albemarle schools. And she was very helpful in just making herself available for any questions that I might have um, and just making me feel welcome in the schools because I run into her very frequently and just making the connections with the teachers, with the case managers, and just asking them questions about the students, making sure that I had the correct information um, for the students, information to get a hold of them, and then just being able to go in, sit with the kids, get to know them a little bit better, and feel confident in working out those six weeks. So like Dr. Block said, it was very weird going in, creating a schedule, kind of feeling alone, but not being alone because we obviously had Dr. Block's support. We had his doctoral students support and we've had that throughout the whole semester, but I got to create my schedule. I got to kind of feel out meetings. I got to kind of be my own person and stand on my own two feet and give my knowledge right off the bat. Because usually when you come into a program, it's like, okay, maybe towards Christmas time, maybe towards the summer when things are done, that's when I might feel confident to give my expertise. But right off the bat, people were asking questions, how to modify this. And so it's like, wow, you know, I am qualified to answer these questions. And it was just nice feeling that confident coming in from our summer classes, with Dr. Block. Yeah, if I can jump in, Scott. Yeah, so so Jordan makes a great point about we, we do have some summer classes. We do provide hands-on experience there. And so that gives them a little bit of confidence there. But a couple things that Jordan mentioned here. So number one is I give our students a list of schools and a list of names. And I say, you know, during the week of in-services, just like an adapted PE teacher in a school district, you need to go to the, the schools, find the special ed teachers, find, confirm that the names of the kids are still there or the kids are still at the schools and uh, create your schedule, you know, and, and, you know, invariably a teacher at three different schools says, yeah, can you come at 930 on Monday and Wednesday? Well, I can't be at three different schools. So, you know, how can I negotiate that and different things? So I, I mean, that, that's a, a wonderful thing. And that, that's a, an ongoing thing that the students had to do. And it was a great learning experience rather than me just saying, here's your schedule. You have to make your schedule, you know, um, meeting with, the special ed teacher, not just once, but every time you pick the child up, going in the classroom, seeing the child in the classroom. And again, in contrasting this to the traditional model where we bring in a bunch of kids to the university on Saturday morning, we do a swim activity, we do something in the gym, and, and I'm going to work with a child one-on-one or a small group. It's a great learning experience for the, for the master students, but you don't get that, that educational piece, what it's like to be in a school and all the nuances of a school and dealing with the challenges of a school. You know, you go to pick up your child in school and you say, hey, he's having a good day. It's like, well, you know, he's kind of having a meltdown. So good luck with him today. But, you know, here he is. Uh, and so that's one of the challenges. And I know Jordan does this as well. Jordan and the other students often don't teach in a gym because the gym's being used by the physical educator. So they're teaching in the hallway 
or another little classroom or out in the playground. And so, you know, what's the challenges of that? Where do I get equipment? You know, how do I uh, keep the child focused when kids are walking down the hallway and I have this little piece of hallway that I'm teaching it? So real life situations that the students have to learn how to solve here under a controlled setting with a smaller group, when they leave here and get a job as an adaptive PE teacher, it's not as as, as uh, overwhelming as it, as it would be, so. Yeah, uh, and Jordan, um, you know, navigating those issues, which you are quite right, that I think that's, those are sometimes the hardest things. Teaching can be, uh, you know, the Zen place for teachers, I think sometimes, and, uh, and the logistics, you know, especially if you're very itinerant, and it sounds like you're very itinerant, <laughs> you know, not two schools, but many, many schools. Um, you know, what has led you to success? Uh, like, what are the things that have allowed you to be successful in this time uh, during your master's program? I would say the biggest thing is my creativity and trying to utilize that and grow that part of myself. Because again, like Dr. Block said, sometimes I'm in a hallway. Sometimes that hallway is being utilized for whatever reason, and I'm bumped into a classroom. Sometimes I don't always have the equipment that I'd like to have on hand. And so we just have to be very creative, especially when some of our students are having off days or bad days. Um, you just have to work around. And it might be as pulling out my phone, going to YouTube, finding a silly song like The Floor is Lava, which is a lot of my kids' favorite, and just getting them to jump and move and kind of reset um, so we can continue a lesson, but sometimes taking a walk around the hallway and just being okay with not having always the control is also a really big thing, being flexible um, and then working with the aides. The aides have been invaluable this year. Like Dr. Black said, they'll come up to me and they're like, hey, so-and-so is not having the best day. They just had a meltdown. We've been doing this. Maybe you could continue this for five, 10 minutes and then hop into your lesson where they've been really nice into, hey, shooting me a text, this student's not here today, they're sick, you get an extra 30-minute break in your day, which is always appreciative. So it's just really nice that the flexibility, the creativity, and then working with my aides, because I have some wonderful aides in my schools. Yeah, Scott, if I can jump in, uh, Jordan uh, in particular, but all my students this year, and, and every year, I'll often have kids with behavior challenges, and that's the you know, more than how do I teach a kid to throw? How do I get a kid to get off the floor when they're lying on the floor and they don't want to move and participate or they're running across the gym screaming and yelling? Uh, and so I think that's one of the things that, again, it's a unique experience for us because we get to talk to those paraeducators who see the child all day long, that special ed teacher, the therapists who are having the same types of struggles, you know? And, and I know Jordan in particular has a little girl uh, with Down syndrome, who lies on the floor and wants to look at her iPad, you know, 24-7. And she's, uh, Jordan's done a great job of figuring out how can I, you know, use the iPad as a reinforcer, but then get her up to do different things, you know. And, and the, the day Jordan and I met this girl, she knocked down a shelf and tore things off the wall. And now, you know, if I went to see Jordan with her, I'd say, wow, she is following directions better than she was. She's on task for at least half the time. So it's a, a marvelous transformation, but that's the things that our students get by being in the schools rather than just working, you know, for a half hour in a Saturday morning program. So. Absolutely. No, I, I think those things, um, yeah, what you're talking about, especially with behavioral issues, I, I dealt with a lot of that stuff too when I was teaching and there's a lot of learning on the job that I don't think can happen in the class. 
Uh, so I think it's great that you're getting them uh, involved. I, I'm, you know, currently, I, I told you, Dr. Block, and I'm writing one of those OSEP grants right now. And, you know, my plan is to get them out in the field as soon as possible, because I think you learn by doing. Um, and it, it's great. And honestly, uh, again, it's very impressive how involved you are, Jordan, because basically, to, from what I'm hearing is you are an APE teacher in the school district. Um, you know, and then you're basically taking classes and getting supervised and doing both at once, which is awesome. Um, you're, you're, you're walking the walk and you're also getting, you know, the college experience while you're doing it. So personally, I think that's probably a really good model to adhere to. Um, so kind of my last question is, uh, you know, I have people that listen and I have teachers, I have students uh, and, and other professors. And sometimes when people listen, they go, oh, wow, this sounds so cool, but it doesn't apply to me, right? And so I'm, from my perspective, you have a really cool um, relationship between uh, K-12 schools and the university that I often don't think is there. And so for our listeners as a takeaway, maybe if they're in a school or going to be in a school or they're a professor at a university, what is the takeaway from this podcast and the work that you're, you've done with this grant and stuff um, that they can take away on how to potentially build some type of relationship, something in this vein uh, with their local schools or local universities? Well, that's a great question, um, Scott. And I, I just think it's so important for a university to be a, a partner, a, that's a good word, a partner with the community and the schools. Uh, our president, who's been here about three years now, talks about uh, being a great university, but also doing good. And what can we do good in our community? So the great and the good, you know, be a great university, but do good things. And I think one of the things he really pushes is that community engagement. And um, I, I would just encourage other professors, whether you still do a Saturday morning swim and gym program or Wednesday, bring in the Paralympic team, um, you know, get make that relationship with the schools, you know, begin with, with just, hey, can we have one of your, my students come to one, you know, PE class just to observe and then, you know, branch out from there. But I, I just, I think, um, you know, if, if your goal is to train future PE and adapted PE teachers, and you want to be in a realistic setting, you got to be out in the schools. And so I, I'd say anything you can do to get that relationship. I know UW Lacrosse does something similar, but I think their students have to be certified in health and PE before they let them go out in the schools. Um, for whatever reason, our directors of special ed over the years, you know, didn't, didn't and maybe they didn't know <laughs> that my students often weren't certified, but they didn't they didn't seem to care as long as our students were doing some good work. So anyway, I, anything you can do to make that relationship with the local schools, it's good for the students to go out. Just to give another example, we we reinstated an elementary methods PE class here. Our faculty member in pedagogy retired. Uh, I decided to resurrect the class with my doctoral students, and we were placing you know the kids out in elementary. Um, settings to, to get that experience. And I just contacted PE teachers who I've known over the years, like, sure, no problem, come on out. So because I've had that relationship, those types of things become really easy to do. You know, um, again, if I wanted to do research, there's a mechanism to get into the county, but I can go through the director special ed who could, you know, knock down some walls for me. So yeah, anything you can do to make those relationships, I think is, is, is really important for, for, for the community, that, that engagement, but also for your students to get into those schools. Also, I think from like, if I'm a teacher listening to this, I think that it's important for them to, to also just know that that the university's 
priority because a lot of teachers are nearby universities and do not uh, have a lot of big relationships with them. And I just think that there can really be some fruitful things when they work together through, uh, yeah, going to the university, showing your students the university and, and accessing those things and or bringing the university to your school. And I, I think that yeah. people should really try to take advantage if, you know, in a lot of the nation, um, you are near, you know, within 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour to a university. Um, hopefully that has a PEAT program, but yeah. 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 Well, you know, and the, and the other thing too is, is the reverse. I, I encourage teachers who are listening to go to the university and say, hey, I would love to talk about what we do in the schools. We have this really cool program I want to share with you. I bring in PTs and OTs from our schools. Uh, Rachel, who uh, Jordan talked about, will come to my class and talk about what they do with children, you know, and, and what's unique about PT and how can you collaborate as a phys ed teacher? So, so uh, yeah, I would say the reverse is true too. Talk to your, 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 um, your PE teachers, your therapists in the community, have them come to your classes and make, make it really interesting and more meaningful for your students there. So that's, the podcast and before we I let you go officially I just wanted to see if you had any last remarks about the grants anything we've discussed or your experiences uh you know in the schools I would just say that um so I actually have 16 students on my caseload and then a preschool class with 10 students ages three and four and even with just my short semester um 10 weeks with them it has been invaluable. The hands-on learning has been phenomenal. The support that we've gotten from Dr. Block, his doctoral students, also being able to mentor some of the undergrad students that have come out, um, that have been a part of the kinesiology program, and they've gotten to see what we do in the schools. So just having that whole community and support um, going in and teaching these kids have been great because now I feel confident graduating in May that I'm going to be able to do this and so much more in whatever job I land once I graduate. Thanks, Jordan. That's, that's great. And, and, you know, again, the, 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 this, I can't harp enough on the realistic uh, scenarios that the students get to see. So again, seeing the child in the special ed classroom, sometimes having to do, you, you know, create your lessons in your special ed classroom is a challenge. But the other challenges that they see is when I push a child into general PE, Jordan sees this to one of our elementary schools, there are 75 kids in the gym. So now I have a little boy with autism who has, you know, the, the ear mufflers on because he doesn't like sounds and there's 75 kids and there's music blaring and it looks like chaos. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, that, that's a great question. How do you deal with that? And that's one of those things where I learn and, and my students like Jordan learn on the job, you know, well, let's see if this works. Maybe we can have them on the periphery. Maybe we can have them in for two or three minutes and take them out and bring them back in for two or three minutes. I don't know, you know, but that, that's it. That's the, the idea of like, you know, the, the learning piece, the creativity that Jordan talked about. That's where you become creative when you, when I throw you in a situation that's a nightmare, you know, here, fix this. <laughs> so anyway, I think that that's what I, I love about this program is this, we, we have these realistic settings that the kids uh, get to experience. And, and I whole, whole uh, heartily agree with that because I believe that, especially with disability, talking about it from a textbook or the professor's experiences and stuff, um, the re you know, I, as more and more I'm in this field, the more and more I kind of start getting away from always saying use these evidence-based practices or use these blah, blah, blah. And the more I'm just get to know the student, build relationships, and 
problem solve. I mean, it, critically think and problem solve. And, and you can't do that <laughs> until, unless you're actually working with kids. I can't yeah. give you a case study and, and, you know, on paper and do that. I mean, maybe to some degree, but it's, it, it, it's all about building relationships and, and problem solving through experience and, and so on. The, the college classes are great and you learn a lot, but, <laughs> but uh, there's just so much more to it. And uh, so I really appreciate um, you both being on the podcast and sharing about your program and experience.